also welcome those who are worshiping with us on LiveGate Outreach TV, those who are joining us and listening to this podcast. I want to say God bless you. Thank you for the testimonies that you send in. I would like to read this one from a lady in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, this is somebody I've known for some time, actually, but she follows our, our messages quite a lot, and I believe this will bless you. She said, there, sir, happy new year to you. I'm listening to you as I write this email. I thank God for using you to be such a blessing to so many lives. Your messages are so practical and relatable. I especially love that you use every sermon to touch on the spiritual and also on the living everyday life. For instance, in today's message, I believe that's the one she was listening to, he said, you talked about the ant and also how you have used discipline and time management to achieve much in your life. Listening to you every day has built my faith so much. I will always be grateful for your friendship and for your mentorship. He said, I pray that God will always empower you and give you strength to do the work that he has called you to do. Our lives are so enriched by your teachings. God bless you. Hallelujah. I am encouraged by such. I have quite a few of those kind of messages through uh, Facebook and things like that. But this particular one I felt to share with you. Just so that you understand when we're praying and we're saying we're thankful to God for how God is spreading the word across the lands, across the world that you and I are able to appreciate what God is doing. And I want to believe, God, that this is just a beginning. Hallelujah. This is just a beginning. God is set to impact many more lives, even in places we could never have imagined, in the mighty name of Jesus. So I want to thank God for that, and may God continue to increase all our testimonies in Jesus' name. We are rounding up our series on accessing restful increase today. And uh, this has been a four-part series stemmed up from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. That's our banner. We started with the uh, word of doctrine, the word of reproof, the word of correction, and, uh, last, and today we'll be looking at the word of instruction. It is important to understand that these four things, I, I have always said they are into each other. They look like the same thing in many ways. Uh, you can't talk of one without the other. But the key thing I'd like us to realize is that they also lay some emphasis. If you understand doctrine, you have understood God. Doctrines are the, the, the dictates of God to man as to who he is and what he expects of us to do. So we must understand doctrine. And if you understand doctrine, you will be able to understand why God would like to reprove you. Reproof is the same word for rebuke. When God speaks to us in telling us things that we have done uh, or that we are not doing that we should do that are not in line with his doctrine, with his set standard for us. And then he talks about correction, which is actually giving us the solution or the alternative things to actually do when we have gone wrong, when we are going the wrong way, the word of correction comes to give us the direction that we should go or the, the right thing to be doing. And uh, all these are contained in scripture. And so it is important for us. But you see, the last word that is there, instruction in righteousness, refers 
to everything that God speaks to us as a kind of detailed information about how something should be done or how something should be operated. This is very important. If we obey God's instructions based on his doctrine, we will not need, the the more of God's instructions based on his doctrines we, we obey, the less the reproof and the correction that we need, even though those things are available. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 has been our anchor scriptures, and I want to quickly read them again as we read together. Let's read together, everybody. One, two, go. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the, verse 17, let's go. That the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, verse 16 says, all scripture is from God. This is very important. All scripture is from God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture. All scripture. And so it is important. And the Bible also emphasizes the fact that it is for profiting. So, whether we are talking about the word of doctrine, the word of reproof, the word of correction, the word of instruction, they are all for our profit. Psalms 94, verse 10 to verse 13. The Bible tells us, He who instructs the nation, shall he not correct? This is talking about God. He who teaches man knowledge. Verse 11, let's go to verse 11. He said, the Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are what? Futile. Futile. Useless. You know, without power. Futility reigns in the life of man. This is why we, we talk about, the, even the world system talk about the rat race. People chasing things, chasing things. Haven't you ever seen people chase a position, chase a position so much, and then they get the position, and then after one month, something happens, the, the whole company itself folds up. <laughs> or something just happens. And you wonder, what was the point in killing people, stamping on people, fighting everybody, putting everybody down? He said, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. And verse 12, he said, blessed is the man, verse 12, blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and do what? Teach your law. It is a blessing to be instructed of God. When you receive the instructions of God, you receive the blessings of God, then you stay above board over the things that limit other people. It is so important. Verse 13 says that you may give him what? rests from the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the wicked. Hallelujah. There are days of adversity and there's nothing we can do. The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. But the strength is not talking about physical strength. It's talking about how much of the instructions of God you have taken into your life and you are obeying. How much of the instructions of God you are making part and parcel of what informs your lifestyle. I am trusting God the more on a daily basis to internalize the word, meditate the word, and to let all my reactions and all my actions and everything about what I do be based on what the word commands. It is not a difficult place to live if you allow the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't do it in your flesh. And we will be looking at the words of instructions today. 
in many ways from the word of God that will help us to come into the place of rest. He said that you may give him rest. We're talking about restful increase here. He said that you may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the weekend. You will have rest in Jesus' name. You see, only the manufacturer of any product has the most authentic set of instructions. That is why the people who copy a product, if they don't understand what they are copying, they will put the same instructions that the original person put on it. And they, they have not copied exactly what the original manufacturer put. So when you read their instructions and you apply it to the fake, you find that it still doesn't work well. How many of you have ever bought something fake like that? Because unless you get the manufacturer of a thing, you can never, ever get to the secret of the product. Never. Never. Because the spirit that is in the, the inspiration that is in the manufacturer is what he expresses in the instructions. Some instructions of scripture are what I call advisory. Somebody say advisory. There are times that God advises us. And he does so much. John 3.16 is an advice. One of the most popular, if not the most popular scripture in, in, in the verse in scripture. It's an advice. For God so loved the world. And he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that's where it becomes an advice. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it's not a mandatory like some uh, instructions of scripture are. Some ma scriptures are mandatory. Some are advisory in way, by way of instruction. And we must understand this. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, I said before you today, life and death. But, you know, basically I advise you to choose life that you may live. But you know everybody doesn't choose life. Everybody doesn't give their life to Jesus. Everybody doesn't do those things because these are advisory instructions. First Timothy 6.6, 6, the Bible says, For godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, how many people have not have taken that advice and how many people have refused to take it? A lot of people are godly, but they don't understand the principle of contentment. And the advice is that you have to balance the two. A lot of godly Christians, a lot of people are in trouble today because they don't understand that you cannot be godly and not be content and live a restful life. You have to be godly and content. That's why he says godliness with contentment is great gain. Praise the Lord. So we must understand that when we read scriptures and we are taking the instructions of scripture, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration. But when we're taking the instructions of scripture, we must understand what God is advising us and what God is actually commanding us to do. Now, in both cases, there will always be consequences. And so we must know how to balance it when we read the Bible and when we understand and when we try to gain understanding from scripture. Jeremiah chapter 1, the Bible tells us about this manufacturer some more. Verse 4. He said, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. Somebody said, The manufacturer. He said, I formed you. I knew you. I formed you. Ordained you. Before you were born. This is why when you see a manufacturer trying to produce something, if you come into his lab or where he's trying to do it, his drawing studio, you will see some sketches, you will see images of what they're trying to produce. In these days, in the building world, we, we have modeling techniques that show almost exact replica, in fact, the exact replica of what is to be built, that you can do what is called a walkthrough, and even have augmented reality, whereby you can wear spectacles and touch things that don't exist, as if, you know, they, it has actually been built. 
And all that is still in the mind of man. It has not yet physically been established. But the manufacturer, the designer, the one who conceived it, knows exactly what it's going to look like. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So God, the manufacturer, said to Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before, I, before you were born, I sanctified you. I separated you. And then I ordained you a prophet to the nations. He said, then, said ah, said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am but a youth. How many times do we go before the Lord and say we cannot understand or we cannot perform the instructions he's commanding us because we think we are expected to do it in our own strength? There is no one that God has called into any aspect of work, of ministry, or expressions of vocation that will not feel a challenge in life. But the more we learn how to rely on God, who is our manufacturer, the more we are able. So that is why the Lord said to him, let's say to him, verse 7. Let's read, to, let's read verse 7. Say, but the Lord said to me, do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. This very, very thing has limited many people because we do not understand that whatever God is asking us to do, he has already given the enablement to do. The Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. We had it from Pastor Moses again today during the power tower. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Very important. So the instructions of scripture or God's instructions, they deliver to us God's intention on the platform of our obedience. What robs us from taking delivery of the benefits of God's instructions? The Bible says all scripture is profitable for instruction. So what stops us from taking delivery of the profit that should come with that instruction is just our obedience. Hallelujah. We know that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 10, verse 5, he said we're casting down arguments. Verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare, sorry, are... Not carnal, but mighty in God to the what? Pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought. Hallelujah. It says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's shout verse 6 together. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Your obedience and my obedience has to be fulfilled. This is why we must understand what God is saying. Every time God speaks something, every time we read from his word, all we need to do is to apply ourselves to obey. The problem comes many times because we are thinking of the difficulties in obeying, so we don't obey. But with God, it is about stepping out of the boat to walk on water. It is not about thinking how you will walk on the water. Praise the Lord. When, God, when Jesus said to Peter, come, Peter stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on water towards Jesus. He did not start to think first. He did not start to think, how am I going to walk on water? Okay, let me now do it because I now know how I'm going to do it. No, you don't walk like that with God. Now, people will say, oh, but God said that if you are going to build a tower, you should count the cost and, uh, if we, so that people will not laugh at you. And I, the more I studied that scripture, the more I discovered that the cost he's talking about is not talking about the physical cost that you don't have. It's talking about your faith in him. 
Of course, wise planning, look at the resources you have, the five loaves and the two fish you have. But at the same time, you must know how to count the cost of your faith in him to help you to achieve the building of that tower. This is where many believers do not get to where God wants them to get to. So when we have an instruction from God, the first thing we must remember is that he is our manufacturer. He is our maker. This is what Abraham knew. Abraham, we read about him, those of you listening by podcast or by Live with Outreach TV, we read from Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 18. Now, Abraham knew exactly these two things about God. This is why we can always say that, oh, Abraham was about to sacrifice his son. He did not just take those steps of obedience because he, 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 he was an extraordinary person. He just had a knowledge of God that you and I must have. He knew God was a restorer and he knew God was the maker. He knew God could make and God could restore. So he was not afraid to sacrifice his son, his only son, like the Bible says. In the first couple of verses we read, the Bible says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. God does not tempt us, but he tests us. God does not tempt anyone, but he tests everyone. Anyone who is, who is going to have a journey with God of significance, God will test you. Why? Not for, you, for his own sake, but for your own sake. God will test you to see where you are ready. This is why many people are not moving from level to level, and they are wondering why there is stagnation in life. They are wondering, why am I stuck here? There is a test that until you pass... You don't cross. The, the university of God is not the one that just pushes you and pushes you and pushes you out so that you can get out of the production line. No. You stay stuck until you pass the test for the next levels. Hallelujah. There is a test that this church is facing now that I am facing as privileged pastor of church and the church itself is facing that if we don't pass, if I don't pass, if we don't pass, we move no further. It's not a curse. It's not a curse because God is not going to add to you the things that will come and destroy you. So he tests your capacity. He tests your mind. He tests to know that this child that I have now given you, can it become a barrier between me and you? He wants to know. You wanted the child at a point. He brought the child. Now he wants to know whether that child can now be a barrier. I've seen many people who were not married many, many years ago. And we prayed for them. And they got married and we were all celebrating. Then the same marriage now became problem again. I've seen many people who say, oh, Pastor, you know, if only I can get that next deal, that next business. And then they got the business and then nobody saw them again. <laughs> so God, God doesn't want things like that to be happening to us. What God does is that he wants us to be a people who are always depending on him. When I first landed in this country on the 4th of September, very early mornings, uh, very early in the morning of the 4th of September, 2000, when I landed, to, I've been visiting before, but landed to come and stay, as it were, I got to Wolverhampton later at about 2 p.m. that day because I landed in Heathrow and took a, a very, very long coach, one of the longest coach rides I've ever had in this country. Took about seven hours to get here. Anyway, we got here round about 2 p.m. on the day. And as I set foot on Wolverhampton, I had never been to Wolverhampton before. Nobody knew me. Nobody knew I existed in that place. Even the person I was com coming to see, to meet as my research supervisor, had never met me. And those were the days there, were no, there was no social media, nothing. Nothing. He couldn't know anything about me other than the email exchanges we had. 
And for the first time in my life, I noticed that I landed in a place where I could easily say I am not a Christian and nobody would, would bother. For the first time in my life, everywhere I've been, London, anywhere in Nigeria, anywhere I step down, there will be somebody there that knows me before that I'm, I'm a Christian. But this Wolverhampton that I came, as I came down like this, of the, uh, and I stepped down in Piper's Row bus station, it came to me. He said, do you know that you have to redefine yourself here? And everybody must know that you are my child. And as soon as that word came, I started the mission immediately. And I thank God I've not gone back since then. Praise the Lord. It is a choice that you have to make. Because many times, a lot of people have been given such opportunities and such times. And what we find is that we don't let God have his way. So he came and he tested Abraham. Abraham said, here am I. Let's read verse 2 together. To show that God always wants to make emphasis. Read verse 2 loud and clear. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. You see, all the remaining part, go to where I will tell you. He has passed that one since Genesis 12. When God said to him, come out of your people, and uh, out of your kindred and I'll take you to a place that I will show you. He departed. Genesis 12 verse 3. So he has already passed the second half of this place. That's not what the test was about. He has passed the test of going where he did not know as long as God said move. That was not it. The real test is the emphasis in the first part of the verses. Let's read it again of the verse. He said now, take now your son, your only son Isaac to emphasize. Of course, Eliezer had been born. But we know that Isaac is the child of promise. He said, take that your only son. And then to, so that in case he wants to say, but Lord, that is my only son. Uh, but you know also that I love you. He now said to him, to whom you do what? Love. For him to know that I know that is your only son. And I know that you love him. I am placing a demand of the very things that have tested your faith for 25 years. I'm placing a demand on it now. And that instruction was clear because it, he was a man to be blessed. But this test has to be passed before the blessing was released. Hallelujah. And every one of us must be sensitive. The instructions of scripture that is aimed at giving us restful increase, in many cases, will test what I call our metal. It will test what we are made up of. People will say things against you. People will do things to you. People, things will not work the way you expect it to work. I want you to know that this God is a true God. And he will bless you beyond your imagination. In the name of Jesus. Some of the kind of things that you will be doing will not be matching what should be attributed to you physically. But because God, because God has seen you faithful, he will surely manifest in your direction. In the mighty name of Jesus. He said to me in verse 5. He said to him in verse 5. Let's go to verse 5. He said, and Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. And the phrase we will come back to you came to me in the light of scripture. That Abraham knew that him and this boy was going to come back. 
No matter what was going to happen, he was sure. He told the other two servants, he said, we will come back. We will come back. What does that mean to you? It means that if you understand the instructions of scripture, even if it seems as if God wants to take something away, if that thing is a thing of promise to you, God who is the restorer will surely restore him. In the name of Jesus. So never be afraid to obey instructions. Many times, I'm laying this emphasis because many times we don't obey instructions because we are afraid of consequences. We think we will lose things. We think we, think we will be inconvenienced. When God told me in late 2012 to start a church plant, and I said, Lord, I, 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 how am I going to do this? I, I do so many things, and I'm grateful for all the things that you give me to do. And everything I was thinking in myself, and I said, Lord, how am I going to do this? God said to me, he said, this is not a job. He said, Lord, I, I said, Lord, I don't need another job. He said, son, this is not a job, but an assignment. And then I rested my case. And from my little knowledge of education, God made me to see when you set an assignment for students, your students, you must have a solution unless you're a very wicked lecturer. You must have worked it out before to be sure they can do it in three hours before you say do it in three hours. Unless you come from one country that I came from like that. That some lecturers, they did not check it that it can be done in three hours. <laughs> So when everybody was doing it and sweating, they say, okay, cut, cut part C, cut part D. <laughs> because they themselves did not check that this is not possible in three hours. I didn't tell you any country, so I don't know why you're laughing. But this is the reality. A true lecturer would have checked and said, this is feasible. So by God telling me, telling me it's an assignment, it means he has already solved it for me. The solutions were already waiting. Always trust God. Every instruction of scripture is to take you further by the same God who is testing you. Hallelujah. Look at what he did for Abraham in verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was ready to do this thing. And verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Verse 12. He said, do not lay your hand. Verse 12. He said, but do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know. Hey, this is the omniscient God. This is the all-knowing God. This is the God who knows everything. How can he be saying, now I know? Did he not know before? No. He's not saying, I did not know before. He's saying, all he's saying is, that now you have demonstrated. So that we understand, God is not gaining new knowledge. He doesn't gain new knowledge. He knows everything. He knows everything. He said, but now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now I know. That now I know moment is one that you must keep crossing for your levels of promotion to be established. God will test you with things. Check your attitude. Check your behavior. Check things. And he will, he will want to see your reaction until you get him to say, now I know. You stay there. He puts you back. Tests you again. Puts you through some learning. And then you find yourself. If care is not taken, you find yourself facing the same things over and over. All God is waiting is for you to demonstrate that you are ready to kill your Isaac. You must be ready to demonstrate that you are ready to kill your Isaac. There is a way you must relate with God that nothing is too important to you. Nothing is too important to you. And the instructions of scripture will come most of the time to test those very things. May God continue to give us understanding. He said, now I know. And then, verse 15, he began to release the blessings. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. He said, 
Then the angel of the Lord said, you didn't put verse 15, verse 15 to 17. Say, then the angel of the Lord said to Abraham, second time out of heaven, and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. Verse 15, thank you, 16, 17 now. 16, 16, then 17. Thank you. He said, and said, by myself I have sworn, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Verse 17. Let's read verse 17 together. He said, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. He said, descendants as, your, as the stars of heaven and as the sun which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Hallelujah. Verse 18. Let's read verse 18 together. Oh, no, sorry, she's putting the wrong one. Genesis 22, verse 18. <laughs> Genesis 22, verse 18. He said, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Please shout the last phrase for me. Because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice. Can you see that? All this blessing, all this promotion, all this thing tied to only that. Because you have obeyed my voice. So the increase of the land is not tied to the fact that the instructions of God are scarce. But it's tied to the obedience you and I demonstrate towards those instructions. The instructions of God are not scarce. And Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon me. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anything God calls you to do, just do. And when you are doing it, and when you are stepping to do it, remember his yoke is easy. Remember his burden is light. That's why I don't listen to anybody who comes to me and say, ah, pastor, this Christianity is very hard. No, I don't listen to that kind of thing. Christianity cannot be very hard. Am I saying it's not a, it's an easy road to pass? No. But the one who we come to serve say it is easy and his burden is light. Don't come and tell me ministry is hard. No, ministry is not hard. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ministry is not hard. It is only hard if you are doing it without obeying the instruction. He said, because you have obeyed what? My voice. May God continue to help us to obey his voice. So Abraham trusted God as the restorer and the maker. And God helped him to manifest to, and enjoy the blessings. Romans 4, 17 and 18 tells us what he believed. He said, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead. Romans 4, 17. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. God gives life to the dead. Abraham knew that God gives life to the dead. Do you know how important that is? The moment that knife went up, he knew either of two things was going to happen. That as soon as the knife came down, the boy would die and receive life again by God. Because that was the son of promise. He was not going to be another person. That was the son of promise. When he was telling the, 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 the servant that we will go and worship and return, he knew that God gives life to the dead. Or God calls those things that be not as though they were. So God would have definitely done something that would make it possible for him to return with the child of promise. So he was not afraid to offer him up. Whatever we are afraid to offer simply means that we are not trusting God enough. It's like you have a two-year-old son. And you put him on a, on a wardrobe. I don't say you should do that. 
But I'm just trying to describe something. Put him on the wardrobe and you say, Junior, jump. Junior, jump. At that age, 18 months to 24 months, they trust you. They believe. He will just jump because he believes that Papa is going to catch him or Mama is going to catch him. He believes that. But when he becomes two and a half, you put him on the same spot. You say, jump. You say, are you sure? Are you ready? The same boy that used to jump six months before. See, are you ready? Are, are you sure? Are you standing on something correct? <laughs> Don't try it with the three-year-old. That one would not even allow you to put him there in the first instance. <laughs> because the, 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 the mental person, the physical person is now taking more ground than the spiritual. Even in children. Children are much more spiritual when they are young. They believe everything. They are wired up like that because it's part of their learning. They believe and believe and believe. And that's how we are as believers. We believe. God says this, we believe. But then a time comes, we start to gain some kind of scientific experience. Some kind of historical experience. And we begin to put all that together and now start to reason unnecessarily with God. And then we miss out. Abraham was ready to do what God said because he knew that God calls those things that be not as though they were. May God continue to grant us great faith in Jesus' name. I'll round this up by telling us four things very quickly that the Bible mandates us, instructs us not to do. Because if we want to have restful increase, we must understand that we must not do these things. Number one, we said a little, a little about it last week, but I'll say it again. Do not fear. Tell your neighbor for me, do not fear. Do not fear. Isaiah 43 verse 1. He said, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob... Who formed you, O Israel? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. He said, I made you. I redeemed you. Fear not. Fear is a robber of peace and tranquility. Every time you fear, anytime you are afraid, you make it impossible for God to do what he wants to do in your life. And so the Bible commands us. Theologians tell us there are about 365 fear nots in the Bible. I've never taken time to count it myself. But then that means like there's one for every day of, 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 of the calendar year in, in reality. Fear not. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. The reason why we need to know that we shouldn't fear is that we cannot handle some life assignments that are meant for our promotion. You cannot be afraid and handle bigger challenges in life. Every next step of progress that you will take will demand a little bit more from you. And naturally, fear will come with it. That's why the Bible says, do not fear. Many people are not Christians today because they are afraid. How will I give up smoking? How will I give up drinking? How will I give up A and B? Ah, I should not womanize again. Ah, I will die. <laughs> Pastor Lade was telling us one story many years ago. He said, one man said, you, he saw him. He said, you, you don't speak, you don't drink, you don't, you don't drink, you don't follow women. He said, you finished. <laughs> I never forgot. That was 2015 or so 14. Say, you finish, man. <laughs> you don't speak, smoke, you don't drink, you don't chase women. What? Well, you finish. <laughs> because you see, left to the man, that is life. That is the whole life. So many people, if you tell that kind of person, Jesus loves you, forget about this, you say, man, how can? I, I, I don't have a life again. And you are saying, this is the real life. Come with, come with me. Hallelujah. The fear of what we will lose, the fear of what we will become, in many cases, is what has robbed many people of going into their rest. You will not be afraid again in the name of Jesus. This second one touches me a lot because it's catching up with many believers in our time. Don't be weary in well-doing. Galatians 6 verse 9. This is a description of scripture. 
He said, and let us not go weary while doing good. Don't go weary. Many people are going weary. Many people. You see, you say, what's happening? You say, ah, I'm tired. I got tired. I don't want to do it again because I did this and that, that. No, no, no. He said, don't go weary in well-doing. What is well-doing? Things like forgiveness. Don't get tired of forgiving. The Bible didn't say that when you are forgiving after some time, stop forgiving. He said, just keep forgiving. Hallelujah. Don't go weary in investing and sowing into good things. Investing and sowing into things, godly things that will help you physically, spiritually, things that will help you. Don't go weary. Don't go weary. Don't go weary in laboring with God. Many times when we labor with God, like when we go to the city center, we go, we preach, we do things, and we come back. And you know, if care is not taken, if you don't see people the way you expect to just see a flush of people, you can grow weary. It can be very easy to go weary and say, ah, we went in uh, 2016, we went in 2017. <laughs> I'm not going again. Pastor will say, uh, Pastor will say, are you joining me? Pastor, I'm not going. Ah, what's happening? I, 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 I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot achieve anything if Jesus got tired you and I would not be here if he was tired Gethsemane was enough Gethsemane was enough to finish you and I our hope forever but he persevered he said nevertheless when you are getting where you say Lord nevertheless your will not my will nevertheless I'm tired in investing into this marriage nevertheless I'm tired with this child the situation I don't wait to ask, what did I do? 
the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, I'm sorry. Now tell me what I did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because I'm ready to tell you sorry so that we can be at peace first. Praise the Lord. This is the important things we must learn in life. I'm not saying live your life foolishly and let people trample on you anyhow. But if you want to be a restful person, you want to sleep when you need to sleep, you want to rest, you want to be at peace with yourself and with God, learn not to do these things. Do not be overcome by evil. It was Martin Luther King Jr. that said that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hatred cannot drive out hatred. Only love can do that. Love covers a multitude of sin. Those of you that are married, have you noticed when one spouse, I say one spouse because it can, it can be you at times, lost the plot and just start lashing out from everybody, every, even the dog is running away. Every, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> when one person is like that, when the other person just says, honey, calm down, honey, calm down, you know, it starts to douse the atmosphere gradually, gradually, gradually. Praise the Lord. But the mistake we make is as the, that one is opening fire. That one, you, you think you are the only one that can talk. <laughs> you open fire too. Before you know it, nobody can control the situation anymore. Because you don't overcome evil with evil. You overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Live the superior life. Finally, do not worry. Tell your neighbor for me this one. Tell your neighbor, say, do not worry. Say, please, whatever you do. Say, please, whatever you do. Do not worry. Stop worrying. What has worrying ever earned anybody? Have you seen somebody build a big business and they're interviewing him on, on TV and on the internet and they say, you, this, this is your big empire. How did you build it? You say, ah, you see, I was worrying every day about it. No, worry never does any good to any man. It pulls people down. People mix work and worry to mean the same thing. Walking is walking and is good, is of God. Worrying is of the devil. Do your work, but do not worry. Don't worry about anything. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. Who clothes them? Who feeds them? Look at the, look at the, the, the butterflies. Look at all the beautiful things around. Who is the person that takes care of them? He says, so how would you think? That if he can take care of those ones, he cannot take care of you. Do not worry. Learn not to worry. As life goes on, you will live, you will have many opportunities to worry. You just got married, you say, how can I maintain my family? You started having children, how can I feed these children? They start to go to school, how can I pay their fees? They want to get married, how can I get them married? And then after everybody has gone, you say, when I die, how will they bury me? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine now? So if it is worry, you have a lifetime of worry if you want to be worrying. There's no point worrying about any. There are many people now who are worrying about when they die. That is when they die. They're worried. They say, I, I did not save anything. I don't want to be embarrassed. Which embarrassment will you have after you have died? <laughs> Let's rise to <laughs>